doesn't it feel like everything is out of control and nobody seems to be doing anything about it? Uh, Israel is on fire. Russia is hacking our gas pipelines. Uh, the economy is completely out of control. I mean, it is it is Jimmy Carter years, except as Trump pointed out, that's an insult to Jimmy Carter. And I do apologize to President Carter for comparing him to Joe Biden. Uh, we need some common sense. One of my favorite moments in American history is when Nikki Haley stomped North Korea in front of the world. She was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations at the time, and North Korea had just launched an intercontinental ballistic missile that could reach America. And Haley, well, here, watch for yourself. The dictator of North Korea made a choice yesterday that brings the world closer to war, not farther from it. We have never sought war with North Korea, and still today, we do not seek it. If war does come, it will be because of continued acts of aggression like we witnessed yesterday. And if war comes, make no mistake, the North Korean regime will be utterly destroyed. As uh, an ambassador to the UN, uh, the only one I remember in my lifetime that was as good was Jean Kirkpatrick. Uh, she didn't take anything lying down either and was not bullied by the rest of the world. Now, the last time she was on here, apparently we riled up Twitter mobs and uh, over serious pundits. So who knows what will happen this time? All I can promise is that the world might make sense for just a few minutes, and it will be a tremendous discussion about what's happening in and outside of our country with a woman who is very presidential in every way. Today, welcome Nikki Haley. If you're running a business... Oh, my gosh. Don't you hate HR? I mean, it could kill you uh, and it can do it in all the little thousand paper cuts sort of way. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations and HR manager salaries. They ain't cheap. And I, I hated hiring one because nobody got into this business. You know, whatever you do, you didn't you weren't eight. And you're like, well, I want to be I want to be surrounded by HR people. They're $70,000 a year, so it's a pretty good gig. Bambi, however, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for your small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for 99 bucks a month. That's more reasonable. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding the, to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day, all for 99 bucks a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance, did you? Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Welcome. Thank How are you? you? It's always great to sit down with you. Yeah. I'm great. Last time, about a year ago, I think, we sat down and uh, you left and... I don't know what it was about, but there was some big Twitter storm about how whatever. So we have to find something that is meaningless that people can argue over. 
and get into a big Twitter fight over it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's what the media does. I know. It's what the the social media spectrum does. Is they'll pick and choose little bits of pieces and they'll blow it up. And it's just like, because it is. I I've never. I mean, Shakespeare, I think of all the world is but a stage almost every day now, because it's like, are you guys writing that? I mean, is this a this is a joke, right? You can't make it up. All of the things that are on fire and they're offended and trying to, you know, change language so we don't. Are you crazy? But you know what I think this is? I think they're bored. I think President Trump is gone. He made their ratings big. Yeah. He gave them something to talk about. Now that he's not there, they're just grasping. But this is all going to backfire. The cancel culture, the woke aspect of everything, they are moving so far to the left that the pendulum's going to swing far so, right. You know Jerry Boykin, General Jerry Boykin? I don't. Okay, Lieutenant General uh, Jerry Boykin. He was... Um, uh, he was on the original Delta Force. He became the commander. Oh, yeah. uh, he connect. He was in our special forces yeah. as the commanding officer of all the special forces. Amazing guy. He was part of that group that wrote that letter this week from all of the flag officers, mm-hmm. retired flag officers. And I talked to him this morning for about an hour, and uh, it was concerning. <laughs> gravely concerning um, because he was talking about how, you know, you, the, the last piece that you need. And I, I know this because I studied revolution for so long back in the early 2000s. The last pieces that you need are the military and the police, mm-hmm. and they're destroying both of them, both of them. And as he said today, look at their recruiting ads. Who is going to apply for that job? No, and and listen, the one thing I can tell you is I never missed a single highway patrol graduation Hmm. when I was governor. Because when that law enforcement goes out, they leave the family they love. Mm -hmm. They sacrifice their lives for someone that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And they put it all on the line in the name of safety. And the idea that they are being vilified is really a travesty because when something happens to you, those are who you're grateful for. And then the other side of it is, you know, I look at our foreign policy and I look at everything that's going on right now. Here you have the Chinese delegation humiliates the American delegation in Alaska. Putin's challenging Biden to a debate. You've got... Um, Kim starting to test ballistic missiles. You've got Biden falling over himself to do business with Iran, all while he's boycotting Georgia. And oh, by the way, Biden is going to reduce the funding to our military when China is modernizing theirs. They have the largest naval fleet in the world. They have more air defense systems than we do. And what are we doing? Like those core basics that we need to be safe and stable and allow for rule of law those are the things they're pushing to the wayside. I know. And I have thought this country was much more fragile than it was. You know, in 2008, I was talking about the coming collapse in 2005. Mm. Nobody believed it. And it's because they all bought into their own bullcrap on Wall Street and in the banking communities. Yes. You know, there are systems that will protect. No, there's not. No, there's not. Um, and, uh, and so I really thought 
this could be lights out. Look at the body blows this country has taken over and over internally, not just externally, internally. We have been hammering ourselves almost to death. How much more? How much more is left in this gas tank? Because it is truly miraculous on we're I think we're we're flying on fumes. But, you know, the bigger picture concern that I have is look at how distracted America looks right now. Mm. Look at how distracted. And when we're distracted, People do bad things, things happen. Yeah. When we're distracted, Hamas tests Biden to see what he's going to do, and you break out. You have war out in Israel. When we're distracted, you have hackings of pipelines when because di- they can. When we were distracted at the beginning with COVID, that's when, and nobody even knew it. Nobody reported on it. China just walks in and eliminates anybody who was a hassle to them. I mean, this is, it's, we need leadership. And the leadership we need, I'm not talking about the next election or the next presidential election or the one after that. I'm talking 20, 30, 50 years out. America has to decide what kind of country we're going to be what kind of leader we're going to be and get in front of it stop being responsive stop being reactionary get it together because the rest of the world is moving on without us so i said one of my first books was simon and schuster and they poo-pooed it um, and they said nobody wants this nobody would want this and i said yeah but it's kind of what we need and i wanted to get together with people like you all the best minds i could think of in every category and say a hundred year plan. Yes. Where should we be in a hundred years? Because our opponents are thinking a hundred, a thousand years ahead uh, and it works for them. Where should we be? And everybody wants an answer right now. And it feels like everything is on fire. And if we don't act right now, that we're not going to have a future where the, the left did it with Woodrow Wilson, mm. with FDR, with the Great Society, all of that stuff. With Barack Obama, this is just an extension of what they were doing. This is just phase two. They do think that way with the Tides Foundation. Where's the right? Where's the right? Where's anyone with any money, with any brains? Where are the, the professors that we know are in the universities that are hiding Where are they helping us put together a strategy to reverse this cycle? Well, I think, you know, I think it's up to us to do something about it. Right. And so the one thing I'll tell you um, that I firmly believe is Republicans are too nice. They're just too nice. Hey, let me ask you, are they too nice? Do they even get it? This whole thing with Liz Cheney. Look, I understand, you know, she didn't like Trump, blah, blah, blah. I think it's really horrible what she has been saying. The Republicans have a right to kick her out. She, I mean, you're part of the planning of the party. I think you're going in the wrong direction. So all this is nonsense, um, to me at least. Um, uh, but look what she is saying. She's, she's saying, I'm going to bring up everybody who is part of Donald Trump. Well, okay, but you voted with Donald Trump. 93% of the time. time. So his policies worked. You may not like the man, but his policies were right. We have the biggest opportunity, and you have about 18 months. And I don't think the Republicans are going to be able to get out of their own damn way. I mean, what what we need is, first of all, I think the media tries to say there's 
these massive divisions in the Republican Party. I actually don't think there are these divisions. If you go and you ask, find me any Republican that doesn't think we need to hold China accountable. Find any Republican that says we should have schools closed. Find me any Republican that says they're okay with Correct. what's happening at the border. Find me any Republican that is okay with all of the spending and the stimulus Correct. and the debt. So we are unified on the policies. What we have to do is not just be unified on the problems, be unified on the solutions. Right. How much longer are we going to say we're against Obamacare? At some point, you have to be for something. And that's why our policy group, Stand for America, we are coming out with health care policy. We're going to come out with K-12 through policy. We're going to have something on the environment that conservatives can hold on to because you can't just say no. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's when I was governor in South Carolina, we had... Um, Two situations. We had a, a lot of people on welfare. Um, we had a lot of people in prisons. We had, you know, education that wasn't doing well, and we needed jobs. We went. We brought in massive industry. We were known as the beast of the southeast. Um, put lots of people to work. The welfare side. What I saw was there were a lot of people sitting at home getting welfare. And I wanted to do something different. So what we did was I went and partnered with businesses, and I said, if you will pay this person for X number of weeks and train them. I will pay for that. And then you decide afterwards what you want to do. Mm. We moved thousands of people from welfare to work and we had celebrations and those people would bring their families. They were so proud that they were earning their own way and they had learned the skill and that they were moving forward. We did it by lifting people up. We did it with a solution that was creative. Then let me give you one more, our prison systems. We had a lot of people in prison. I went and studied the prisons. We taught them how to write a resume. We gave them financial literacy, but then I partnered with businesses, put equipment behind the fence. We taught them a trade. And then we made sure that they knew that. And we made sure they had a job when they left the fence. South Carolina today has the lowest recidivism rate in the country because wow. of that. It's, it's solutions that work. Republicans have to make sure that we are not the party of sound bites. We have to be the party of solutions and policies. And that doesn't mean the policies for next week. That means policies to take us into the next decade and next 20 and 50 years. We've got to start leading. We've got to start leading. If you have tried purchasing a firearm or ammunition in the last year, you know there is an overwhelming demand from responsible citizens ensuring that they're protecting their Second Amendment rights. Okay, I ordered a gun, just a regular handgun, uh, I don't even know, almost a year ago. Still haven't heard about it. Still waiting for it. If you're not purchasing firearms and ammunition, the demand for ballistic body armor has even been higher It's like owning a firearm. Owning ballistic body armor is the next step in ensuring your Second Amendment rights, yourself and your family. Make sure that they are protected. It's not for you going in. It could be for you just getting out. Let me talk to you about AR-500 armor, the importance of protecting yourself and your family. I wanted to remind you that body armor is covered under your Second Amendment rights. And the folks over at AR-500 Armor are making buying body armor really easy, approachable, and affordable. It's really expensive. But I don't know how they do it, but AR-500 Armor, it's great. AR-500Armor.com, and it's affordable. Buy it online. Have it shipped straight to your house. I hate to say this because... I just I can't believe it when I say it, but I have 
I have AR-500 for every member of my family. And it's near our go bags. AR500armor.com slash Beck. Use that code at checkout for 20% off anything site-wide. Again, it's AR500armor.com slash Beck. How do you turn this corner and get 20 years down the road? Where do you, how do, what has to be done first, second, third, and what do you see 20 years down the road? Well, I've, I think first you look at what President Trump did. Every policy he put in place was good. We should double down on that. We should be proud of that and know that that is a great starting point to Mm -hmm. say, this is what we believe in. And not only that, we have the results to prove it. Then you move forward and say, what does leading look like? Well, first of all, let's look at foreign policy. Leading isn't copying China and shutting down our country like they did. Mm -hmm. Leading is looking at what Taiwan did that didn't shut down at all and did contact tracing Mm -hmm. and had the best results of it. Leading isn't saying what Biden's doing, which is we're gonna start our own Belt and Road Initiative and start investing in a bunch of countries. No, what China's doing is not gonna work. Leading is saying we're gonna partner with our friends those that want to work with us, we're going to be strategic. Those that don't, don't hold your hand out. We're not giving you f- yep. foreign aid. We have to, can't buy friends. You got to start to lead. And leading is calling out China on accountability. It's letting Russia know we're onto them and any more hacking that they will pay a price. It's making sure that we stop Iran and stop trying to appease them. It's having the backs of our friends like Israel and moving forward. That's foreign policy. Then you have to pay attention to education. What has happened during COVID, we are gonna see this for years, the ramifications of this. The idea that they kept kids out of school I have an education foundation and we serve 7,000 kids in rural challenged areas of South Carolina with after school programs. I was visiting one of my schools and I said, what have we lost? And they said a year. And I said, what about my third, fourth and fifth graders? She said two years. Because Glenn, think about basic reading, basic math, Mm -hmm. basic history. If you get that, and are the schools gonna be honest enough with parents to say, we can't catch your child up. Mm-hmm. Parents need to make a decision. Do you hold your child back? We did. Or do you, it's absolutely, it's a smart thing to do. Yep. Or do you push them forward? Because they can't suddenly make up knowing fractions. Correct. They can't just make that. And if you, you have, don't understand algebra one, you cannot go to algebra two or you will be a mess and it will destroy And you everything. are hurting your child yes. to do that. And so these are truth conversations that we need to have. But then you go to the heart of the Department of Education. In South Carolina, what we did was we said, we're not passing a child through the third grade if they can't read. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, they're four times more likely to not graduate from high school. So we did that, but then I also looked at the funding streams because I was trying to understand how we lift up the poorer districts without hurting those that were wealthy. What I found is every state, the Department of Education says, if you teach this, we'll send you this money. If you teach this, we'll send you this money. If you teach this, we'll send you this money. So guess what they're doing now? If you teach critical race theory, we'll send you this money. Mm -hmm. Every governor in the country needs to say we are not going to take that money for critical race theory Mm -hmm. because the idea this is what really will change a generation the idea that you take a five-year-old 
who doesn't see race, doesn't see gender, doesn't see any of that, goes in and is just trying to learn their colors, you go and you tell them that the white kids that they're racist, and then you tell the brown and black kids that they'll never be anything, that's what hurts our country. Those are the things we need to double down on. I don't think that hurts our country. I think that destroys our country. Absolutely Because it, it does. destroys everything about America is, I can do it. I can do it. I, I just have to figure out the way to navigate, you know. I did television. I, I didn't even set out to do television. And I did it my way yep. because I figured out a way to maneuver around. You can do anything in America. Once you destroy that, the American dream is over. And it will take generations. It will take the people who are in third grade today to die at old age before that can be corrected. And government breaks more than it fixes. So don't ever think government's going to be the solution to any problem. Because it's not. So, you know, you take the foreign policy, you take the education, and then you just take the aspect of the goal is lift people up, give them opportunities, and get out of the way. And we have to start looking. I mean, you look at the debt now. (laughs) This is what we're doing to our country. People don't realize, yeah, it's another stimulus. Yeah, it's $6 trillion. They know it's bad, but they don't know what this really means. What this really means is we, for the first time, have our debt that's bigger than our economy. Mm -hmm. We haven't had that since World War II, and this is peacetime. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means when you've got a debt higher than the economy, you are weakening the dollar. You know who's celebrating? China and Russia. It's the reason China and Iran just established a bank together, because they want to make sure that the dollar is Mm -hmm. no longer the world reserve, and Russia's right behind them waiting to tack on and do this. This is what I mean by getting in front of things. Don't wait and keep putting out the symptoms. You got a disease you've got to cure and you got to get in front of it. You and I are, I'm probably older than you are, but we're about the same age. You remember Reagan. Yes. And I remember him giving a speech where he said, there's going to come a time when there are no good options left. If we don't get this under control, there will come a time where there'll be no good options. I've been waiting for that time, you know, hoping that we would avoid it somehow or another. Um, We're there. Um, If you look right now, you know, I love Bank of America saying, you know, just transitory hyperinflation. (laughs) Inflation is bad enough. Transitory hyperinflation. Okay. so you look in the way the only way to bring that money back is through interest rates. They can't. If we would do what Volcker did in 1979, 1980, and put 7.9% interest on for the the banks, which I think translated into 17% for the average person, our, just our service of the debt, just the interest would be $2.2 trillion every year. Our entire budget is 3.2. You know, I, I think this goes to the the bigger issue of how is it that we are seeing inflation go up the way it is? And everybody's trying to justify that it's going to be okay. And the thing is, it's only going to be okay 
if you look in the mirror and say, what is the situation that we're in? I'm an, and, I'm an alcoholic. It, I told myself for a long time, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's nobody, it's not going to be a problem. Then it's a problem. Because you have to hit rock bottom, right? You have to hit Before rock bottom. Can... And when we hit rock bottom, I think there's still, because rock bottom, I survived. Rock bottom for my mother was death, okay? So some people are going to only get it when it's over. And I don't think people understand, for instance, the loss of the reserve currency of the world status. It would be catastrophic. will be Mexico, will we not? I mean, it, it's a real issue. And that's why this paying for everything and this move towards socialism is so dangerous. I have been to those countries that have done oh, it. I know. They would give anything to be us anything to be us and so you know at some point we've got to understand you don't pay people which i i personally think that biden is just paying everyone for a vote is what he's trying to do but you don't pay people off you lift people up by giving them opportunities that's america that's the country we love is is the one my parents said you know they reminded my brothers my sister me every day how blessed we were to be in this country because you in this country could be anything you wanted to be and no one was going to get in your way it was about hard work it was about sweat and it was about proving that you deserve to be there so how do you get people in washington to stop spending money they have lost the value of a dollar. Uh, I mean, the uh, idea that our own Republicans... I know, I'd like it if they had the value of $100 billion. If they just had value on that one, let alone $1. But you know, the idea that our Republicans were thinking about going back to earmarks, uh huh. that is unthinkable to me. Just because the Dems are doing it doesn't mean we do it because that's our kids and our grandkids' money. Right. They're not going to forgive us for so this. So when does... When does the Republican Party, when I've been waiting, I've been calling a few friends of mine in the Senate. I've got two (laughs) (laughs) and I've been calling my friends in the uh, House, which I think I have about five. And I've said, guys, you have got to stand up. You have to. If you could find one Democrat who said, I believe in the Bill of Rights, I believe in the Bill of Rights and I believe in common sense, you know, economies and We don't agree on everything, but this has got to stop. And none of you people are serious. And you said that in the well of the Senate or on the House floor. And you had a Republican and a Democrat saying, I want nothing to do with either of you guys Mm -hmm. until you get serious. I think you would change the world just as uh, Sumner did in the 1850s making that same speech republicans and democrats have failed us when it comes to republican when it comes to fiscal responsibility and the debt this is not forget the whole we'll print more money and make this right this is about world leadership this is about national security this is about the future of our country and this is about the fact that without fiscal responsibility And with this overspending of broadening these government programs and making them bigger and making them pay for more and making people more dependent, you're breaking the spirit of America. That's my concern is the spirit of America has gotten us through everything. Everything. Now, I and our neighborliness, the fact that we trusted our neighbor. 
Our neighbors are being pitted against each other. Yes. Once we then then you're Europe. Then you're Europe. Yeah. Americans have always been trusting. They've always been in it together. We'll get through it. That's what makes America America. We're losing that. And well, it's intentionally being destroyed. But I have faith. I have faith. I know what America does when they need to hunker down and when they need to be resilient and when they need to fight for the spirit of America. But we have to get there. We have to stop. We have to tune out the noise because there's a lot of noise out there. And a lot of the noise is coming from the media. They want you to listen to all of these things that don't matter. Republicans need to focus Tune out the noise and do the things we know will work. We have the solutions. We know what they are. It's not easy. It's going to take a lot of effort. But I believe in us and I believe we can get this done. Okay. So just pretend I'm not asking. I'm not playing a trick with you or trying to ask you if you want to be president. I'm just saying imagine you're president this week. Okay. Pipeline goes down. Mm -hmm. This president said that's a private industry they'll have to decide whether they're paying the ransom or not. The pipeline ended up paying $5 million ransom. Okay. What would you have done if you were president this week? So I did it. I had, when I was governor of South Carolina, I had a foreign hacker, um, a, a, a group, hack our Department of Revenue, ask for a ransom, ask for money, What we did is we did not pay the ransom. And I, at that point, partnered with the private sector to come in and not just the Department of Revenue, every agency go through and say, what do I need to do to make sure that every citizen and every within every agency of information, we have it protected. We partnered with them. It was a drawn out process. And there would be times finally by the end of it there would be times I'd have my director of DMV call and say, we're getting pinged by foreign hackers constantly. And I would say, shut it down. You have to. What's amazing to me is Biden is going to talk about, a, a, you know, this two trillion dollar infrastructure package. <sighs> the hacking of this pipeline is just the beginning. Cyber warfare is the cheapest form of warfare. Mm-hmm. And what we know is the countries that do it the most are Iran, North Korea, China, Russia. Yep. This is all the beginning. So today it is the pipeline. Tomorrow it's going to be your air traffic control. After that, it's going to be your utility grid. We have got to be smart enough not to say, oh, this just happened. More is coming. We have got to work with the, not government, private sector to bring them in like I did and solidify all of those things because we're i mean this is about the next one it's going to happen see when i i mean i don't know if you heard joe biden say well what we have to do is really we well we um and then he got lost for a while and then said we have to invest in education that's why their infrastructure is so important you're talking about educating people for something that is happening right now and he wants kids to be studying cybersecurity so they're ready right. we have firms in place know. that know exactly what we need to do isn't correct me if i'm wrong as i read the constitution isn't our government pretty useless 
if they're not protecting us from foreign hacks and foreign threats, isn't that their primary job? Is to protect your citizens right. from harm. And so, look, I mean, and I think the part that scares me, you know, if you somebody asked me what keeps you up at night, the thing that keeps me up at night is China. And the reason that China keeps me up at night is just look at this scenario that they've given us. Um, when I was at the United Nations, my first year, they were what we knew of China, which was quiet. They didn't want any public interaction. Mm-hmm. They, you know, talked to things, you know, simply no fanfare. They didn't want anything. Once President Xi made himself king, got rid of term limits, all of that changed. Overnight, they started infiltrating the UN, trying to become heads of different agencies. They started putting their fingers in countries' faces, threatening to um, saying, you better vote with us or else. They just got extremely aggressive, more vocal, all of that. They are now building up their military. They have the largest naval fleet in the world. They have more air defense systems. They're modernizing their military. We're not. They continue to steal intellectual property. President Trump was right to call them out on that. It's Mm -hmm. only as good as if we follow up on Mm -hmm. it. The human rights abuses, this isn't just another human rights abuse. This is very telling. Here you have a million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps, making them change their name, change their religion, forcing them to drink, which is against their uh, religion, sexual abuse, physical abuse. We said that we would never again turn our eyes away from genocide. What is happening there now? It's the reason why I think we should boycott the Olympics. When China did the last Olympics, it was very much known that China saw it as their coming out party. Mm -hmm. When this Beijing Olympics happens, they are planning that this is gonna be them showing the world that they are the new superpower of the world. And you mark my words, after that Olympics, if everything goes smooth, they're gonna take Taiwan. And when they take Taiwan, it's over. It's over. So what they, does that mean? What does that mean? It's over. Because if they, so they already tried it with Hong Kong to see if anybody was going to do anything. And we didn't really do anything. If they take Taiwan, then it's, then it's not about their region anymore. Then they're going to just go start taking other places. Then you're going to start seeing them eat up other countries, even though they can't lay claim to them, they will. And that's the danger of it. You know, then you go a step further. They have, you know, invested in all of these little properties. These are frivolous infrastructure projects that they're doing. They do it in these little countries waiting for such a time as this when COVID hits, run up the debt, and then they say, you can't pay it back. Give us your military installation. Give us your port. Give us your utility. Now you look at that map, it'll send a chill up your spine. But the one that I think is the worst, President Xi started a commission years ago that he personally chairs that says any company that does business in China has to cooperate with the Chinese military. Mm-hmm. Now, think about our tech companies. Think about the health data. Think about our personal data. Think about our families and think that the Chinese military has that. This played out in real time during COVID when two American companies, 3M and Honeywell, producing PPE, China would not let them send it to us or any other country. Instead, they bought it wholesale and said, we will only give it to countries who agree to do business with Huawei, our 5G network. That is the country we're dealing with. And now when you look at the fact we're seeing shortages everywhere, guess what one of the major shortages is? 
corn. Why? China bought more corn than they've ever bought before. What do we use to feed our cattle? Corn. This is, we have to get smart to this. We have to get in front of this. We have to start leading because we've got countries that want to ally with us. There are so many countries are mad at what China did for COVID. You've got Canada who wants to boycott the Olympics. You've got Australia who called them out and said that they need to explain what they did to COVID and they're being sanctioned. You've got Japan who gave themselves a billion dollar stimulus to become less dependent on China. You've got India that's seeing the aggressiveness coming. All of these countries, we should be pulling them together in the name of one, being less dependent on China, two, calling them out and making them pay. Why are we not having them in front of the Security Council or in front of the world mm-hmm. saying, what'd you know, when'd you know it, and what'd you do about it? So I've been saying recently, um, and I've felt this way for a few years, but it's very apparent now. There's an Axis power, pa- uh, power right now. There's an Axis power. They are Russia, China, Iran, uh, South Korea. That's it. That's the future of your enemy, whether it's war or whatever. But they are all aligned to crush the West and specifically America. And we are sitting here. I don't I don't I, I mean, I, I don't even know what we're doing. I don't even know what we're doing, but we're pissing off our allies we're we're betraying some of our allies we're not helping and we're stabbing ourselves in the back what i i mean look you've got you've got to start i i just think you have to be strong overseas so that you're safe at home yeah and that means you have to leave when i was at the un i told them what we were for and what we were against i didn't care if they didn't like me i wanted them to respect america And they want us to lead because they'd rather follow America than Russia or China. So let's do it. Let's do that. And I think that, you know, what you're seeing now with China, all of them smell blood in the water. All of them do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea that Hamas is doing this to Israel, which is infuriating on so many levels. This is simply because Biden laid the groundwork. They're just testing him. This is Osama bin Laden, if you know his story was birthed under reagan with the birth, uh, with the um the bombing of uh oh, where was it uh where was it remember when the bombing happened uh and we lost the marines they, they bombed the yeah. marine camp and he didn't respond the re- the the advice was don't respond and so when they bombed those barracks Bin Laden, younger, sees this and goes, they just made America move. They just made America blink. We can do this. That was the reason our towers came down. What is going to be the result of all of this hacking that is happening, all of the stuff that is happening with China uh, making moves and gobbling up country? What are our, our enemies all around the world? beyond russia and china how do you think we're being viewed right now well i mean i think you look at the fact that you know i said hamas was testing us but look at the response biden gave he went and said show restraint 
you know, both sides should show restraint. If we had a thousand rockets going into Washington, D.C., and our allies said both sides should show constraint, you know, restraint, would we be okay with that? No. And Israel is helps us on intelligence. They help us with technology. They've been a good friend to us. We need to be there for them. We need to pull our allies close. But there's something wrong when we're okay with NATO allowing Germany to deal with Nord Stream 2, which is, you know, creating a dependency on Russia for oil. Nothing is happening there. We're not calling out China. I was the first one to call out China on the Uyghurs in the Security Council, and they just did were you hear, shocked. Did you hear John Kerry this week? John Kerry said, well, we're looking into that. I understand the State Department is looking into that. We're not really sure. But if that indeed is happening, we'll, I'm sure there will be sanctions. He's not calling out China because he wants China to be in the Paris Climate Agreement and do Correct. environmental work. Well, I kind of think we have bigger issues and, and losing loss, having that loss of life and concentration camps and genocide. I mean, we are better than that. Like, we should be calling them out on that. These are things where we don't have to go to war. I'm not saying go to war mm-hmm. in all these countries. This is, I think, I think just saying things makes the world shudder. I think the, the Trump doctrine, and he also had something I've wanted from every president we've ever had. Um, Reagan just had, he was steeled. Mm-hmm. You knew he was not joking. Um, and after Reagan, if you're not going to be steeled, I want the president to have just a little bit of a twitch in his eye when he's talking. So they're like, you know, he might be crazy enough to do that. Um, there was no doubt Trump did not want military all around the world. World Did not want war. Didn't want it. But make no mistake, you screw with us. He would he would take the giant boot of America and shove it where the sun don't shine. You know, a funny story is, um, you know, he and I worked closely together when I was working on the sanctions against North Korea and I was having to negotiate with China to get it done. And, um, you know, I would always kind of work on different things. And when they weren't like really wanting to jump, I'd say, "Okay, but I can't promise you what President Trump's going to do. Now, he always knew when I was doing that. And a reporter asked him, you know, when Kim was testing ballistic missiles, he goes, you know, President Trump, how do you deal with a crazy man? And the president's response was, I don't know, ask Kim. <laughs> that worked. Yeah. Glenn, I mean, it worked. No. We used that, and the president and I would balance that yeah. off. And he knew I would do it, and he would say, Nikki, use it. I knew that I had that in my pocket, Correct. and it worked. Yeah. You want them to fear you just enough. You don't want to be predictable. Right. But when you lead and when you say something, you stick to it. You don't waver. Predictable unpredictability. Yes. Is what is needed from a world leader, I think. Um, You know, he I don't know if you ever heard the story about and I'm not going to get into it now, but um, the story of him with Tiffany's and how he got to build the Trump Tower. No, you know I the story? Yeah. It's the most brilliant story ever. <laughs> I'm not uh, and uh, and he did it uh, by going to Tiffany's who owned all the air rights and he said, "Here's what I want to build." And they said, "Hmm, sorry, we're not going to do that, you know, not for you. Um, we want this uh, we want 5th Avenue to sit, stay nice." And he said, "Okay, thought you'd say that. Here's what I'm going to build then instead." And it was a monstrosity. (laughs) 
they gave him the air rights by the time he came home, by the time he got back to the office, because they looked at each other and said, that's he might do that. He might do that. We don't have that. In fact, we have we have a president now uh, that is kind of like, you know, what? he might just surrender to us. He might, he might be on our side. Look, there was, I took a lot of heat at the time when I went to the U.N. and I said, we're taking names. You know, because it, one, it wasn't diplomatic, and they were like, mm. what, do you, what does she mean she's taking names? The, it was really to put everybody on notice that, look, if you stab us in the back, we're going to take your name down. We're going to remember that. But if you're our ally and friend, we're going to take names of our friends, too, and we're going to take care of our friends. It, you know, you have to lay that ground marker. Because one of the things, I don't know if I ever told you this is a great story. Um, when the president, um, right after we moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the whole world condemned us. Um, I issued the American veto proud moment. Um, even though I was standing alone, I was standing for truth. And I, I, I believed it. That. No, that Thank was, you. I was happy to do it. But afterwards, I took the names of everybody that voted you know, against us, sustained. We actually won more votes than ever. We had 68 countries that agreed not to condemn us, which was big in the 193. We'd never had a vote quite like that. Afterwards, I went to my staff and I said, you know what, do this book. And we listed all 193 countries. We listed the percentage of coincidence that they voted with us. And I had a column that showed foreign aid. And I took that book and I gave it to the president. He lost his mind, Glenn. Like he's yelling, flipping pages, all that. And I said, my point is not that we give aid based on a percentage of vote at the UN, but that we start to be more strategic about who we partner with. You, you know can't what that is? buy friends. You know what that is? There is a study that was done uh, on rich kids and poor kids. Mm. And the kids that were the most affluent, the ones I think they did it in Beverly Hills or, you know, one of those towns out west that, you know, mommy and daddy bought them a car. Mommy and daddy gave them the best, you know, everything. And then they they studied the kids that had to work for everything and even had to support the family, you know, these this family did not turn against their parents. These did. Interesting. Right. It's the same thing. You, you just uh, you're so just a sugar daddy. And it's why FDR said work fair, not welfare. Yeah. Even FDR knew that. No, it's true. You, you, you have no respect anymore. We were giving Pakistan a billion dollars in military aid and they were turning around harboring our uh, harboring terrorists that were trying to kill our American soldiers. We stopped giving that aid. And what we told them is, when you want to partner with us, we'll talk to you again about the aid. But we're not going to continue to do it. That's the kind of approach you have to take. You know, Biden's going back to the old Obama style, which is buy friends. It never works because you know what? None of that is loyal. None of that. And I spent two years of my life with countries trying to stab us in the back and turn around and have their hand out. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't do it. And you have to just let them know you're on to them. And then when you do, they totally get back into shape. So is everything lost that was done in those four years? No, I don't think it is lost. I, now I think, first of all, I don't even think Biden was smart in the way that, you know, he first of all decided he just was going to do Trump reversals, whether mm -hmm. 
just in the name. I think Mm -hmm. that was a terrible mistake. But if he was going to do it, so let's say Paris Climate Agreement is a farce. It hurt America and it helped China. But if he believed he needed to get back in it, wouldn't you, before you get back in it, go to China and India and say, I'll get back in it only when they do their Mm -hmm. part? If you're going to get back in the Human Rights Council, wouldn't you say, I'll only get back in the Human Rights Council when you stop having abusers on the camp? Like, he didn't leverage anything. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get back in the Iran deal, wouldn't you make them prove, you know, that they mm-hmm. were going to stop? Produ- he just reversed everything, including the border, which Trump had a terrible board. Trump fixed it. He broke it. But the part that he can't erase, and it's, it's really a point of pride, I think, is the Abraham Accords. Because this was an amazing thing. Many presidents before Trump had said that the only way to get peace in the Middle East mm-hmm. was through the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. The president went to his first foreign policy speech was to the Arab summit. And he said, I want us to unite against terrorism. Meaning, translation, I want us to unite against Iran. He got the attention of the Arab countries. Then he started to acknowledge truth. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. We're going to have Israel's back. This is what Israel can do for you. And I had, it's interesting, I had a meeting. I and the British ambassador had a meeting with the Saudi and the Emirati ambassador. They were complaining, you know, why doesn't anybody call out the Houthis for the terrorist organization that they are? Why are they always hitting us? And I stopped them and I said, you know, I could make the same case for Hamas and Israel. But yet you say this about you. We went on with the meeting. They pulled me aside afterwards and they said, we know you're right. And I said, why do you hit Israel the way you do? And the Emirati said, we do it because we have to for our constituencies. And I said, at some point, you're going to have to have the courage to tell your constituencies the truth. You fast forward to the Abraham Accords. That was the Emirati's having Mm. the courage to tell their constituencies the truth. And what's happened since then is even though Biden has associated with the Palestinians, Emiratis and Israelis still flying into each other's countries, Mm -hmm. still doing trade because the Arab countries now realize they need Israel. It's not Israel needs the Arab countries. Arab countries need Israel. So that is the part. Why do they need Israel? Intelligence, protection from Iran, technology, there's a lot that Israel has to offer. And now I, I think now they can admit it. So if you notice through all of this Israeli-Palestinian mm-hmm. crisis, you're not seeing them pull back because they get the benefit of what it's going to mean to them. That's good. I was just looking at the numbers as you're talking about this. Uh, Hamas, uh, if you look at the number, the UN Human Rights Council um, condemns countries. North Korea, 14. Zimbabwe, 2. Venezuela, 2. Pakistan, 0. Somalia, 0. Belarus, well, I don't even know. I don't even know what is happening in Belarus. 11. Turkey, 0. Russia, 0. Sudan, 0. Syria, 36. China, 0. Saudi Arabia, 0. Qatar, uh, 0. Iran, 11. Iraq, 0. Israel, 94. Yes. Why does the world hate them? It's why I screamed about it. For two years. You know, it's one of those things they refuse to acknowledge Israel's right to exist. 
And the amazing thing is, you know, it was their deal. It was the U.N. that put it together. But, you know, Glenn, I'll say um, you can't destroy what God has blessed. Mm -hmm. God has blessed Israel. Mm -hmm. They're fighters. Even through this crisis, they're going to continue to be okay, Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to continue to fear Israel. But you know what? Israel shouldn't be going at this alone. We just need to have their back. You you can't have a country that we share the values more than we do or all of that. Like, it's so important. Um, we need Israel. You know, Israel needs us. If, if we can keep a strong Israel, it makes the region safer. That's what peace in the Middle East is. But they do it because they can, and they do it because the Human Rights Council is full of a member the people who sit on the council china russia saudi arabia democratic republic of congo iran like when you have bad actors it's the reason i pulled us out of the human rights council Mm -hmm. is because one of our european allies said you have to stay there because you're the last bit of credibility that council has i went straight to the president and i said it's time to get out Mm -hmm. because i didn't want the u.s to be the reason it had an ounce of credibility Um, do you watch James Bond movies? My dad loved James Bond okay. movies, so I watched them while he you, watched Have them. you watched, but you haven't watched the Daniel Craig movies? I haven't. Okay. Um, there is this, uh, they're really, they're much better than the old James Bond movies. Um, in it, the last five movies have been just trying to get your arms around this uh, global group of countries that are working together to do business and to get things done and and control without anybody really knowing what's happening. Uh, and I see that and I'm like, hmm, uh, wow, that sounds that sounds like, you know, something that could actually be happening, uh, especially with the Great Reset. As I look at the the talk of what happened to donald trump Mm -hmm. there were people all over the globe and some of our allies that didn't seem to be helpful (laughs) at the kindest way were our intelligence agencies connecting with each other on things like ukraine and working against our president it wasn't that no so i i think our intelligence agencies were working together the one thing i can tell you is you know a lot of people said oh america's isolating itself trump is isolating america and you know we're abandoning our allies that's not what it was what trump was doing was tough love Mm -hmm. which is okay nato you know if we're all getting together in the name of being able to defend ourselves from russia america can't be the only country paying up we need you to pay more. We're all better when we're all stronger. Mm-hmm. So let's be strong together. They didn't like that. Mm-hmm. They kind of voiced that, but they paid it. And Trump then went and said, why are we allowed, allowing Germany to have this Nord Stream 2 mm-hmm. pipeline that's going to make them dependent on Russia and all that? They didn't like that, but he did it. When it came to the border, Honduras and Guatemala, our friends, they love America. I was on the ground in Honduras and Guatemala when we were going through the border crisis. And what we did was we said, okay, you have gangs, you have cartels, you've got issues. The president said, we'll partner with you. 
gave military training so they knew how to fight the cartels, gave intelligence um, support so that we could stop the drugs that were coming in through the waterways, and said, but you have to keep your people there and they have to file the right way to cross the border. It was tough love. They didn't like it. Same with Mexico. It was a Same partnership. with Canada. It is, again, leading is not about having everybody like you. Mm-hmm. Leading is about lifting everyone up and getting everyone to see where it is you're trying to go. And I think that's what he did. And people didn't like the way he did it, but it was the right tone at the right time for the right reasons. I mean, just think if he wouldn't have called out China. Oh, just my gosh. Just think. One of the things that upset Russia the most, I mean, they all said that Trump was in it with Russia. The, the two things that Russia didn't want us to do, they didn't want us to build up our military, and they didn't want us to be energy independent. President Trump did both of those. Russia was very upset with us over that. Correct. And so, you know, we did everything that made us strong. But we're now undoing that. Right. We're, we're quickly not going to be energy independent, which is... Something I never thought we could achieve in my lifetime. I really never thought that. Do you remember the days of when, if something happened in Saudi Arabia, oh, yeah. we were panic. all sitting Here there with the prices go up, and, and we didn't have that problem. Yeah. It infuriated Russia that we yeah. didn't have that problem, which is why the colonial pipeline, my belief, rushes behind that. So I know your expertise is not intel, but you have enough experience. Do you believe at all the biggest threat to the republic and the biggest threat to america is coming from white extremists i think the media wants that to be the narrative i think the media it's it's really it's more than the media are white extremists an issue? Yeah. Yes. I dealt with the church shooting that dealt with the white extremists. Right. It's very damaging. We have to cut hate off every time we yes. see it. I, think, we, I but, think everybody agrees with that. But the race war that has happened has been started by the Democrats and inflamed by the media. And the idea that when Democrats don't have the answer to anything, they call you racist and they claim you're, you're a white extremist mm-hmm. is a problem. Go back to the Georgia bill, okay? So if you look at that, and everybody has had all this to say, when I was governor in 2011, um, I pushed for voter ID, and I was vilified by the media, I was vilified by the Democrats, you're trying to disenfranchise voters, they're not gonna be able to get a picture ID. And I said at the time, if you have to have a picture ID to buy Sudafed, if you have to have picture ID to get on a plane, why would you not have to have picture ID to protect the integrity of the election process? And I said, but I hear you. So that is why I will make sure anyone that needs a picture ID, we will go pick you up, we will take you to the DMV, I'll give you a free picture ID and I will return you home safely. (laughs) Out of 5 million people, 25 people asked for a ride. We passed voter ID. We now have more people voting in South Carolina than ever before. But this is the heart of what I'm trying to say. Democrats are quick to say that we are the racist. What is demeaning, degrading, and racist from the Democrats 
is for them to imply that minorities are incapable of getting a picture ID, that minorities are incapable of deciding which school their kids should go to, that minorities are incapable of being successful if they have the same opportunities. Minorities, we are perfectly capable of doing every one of those things. And it's insulting to imply otherwise. So the Democrats are implying that Republicans are racist. The media loves to blow that up. No, the ones that are racist are the ones that aren't allowing school choice, aren't allowing us to have voter ID, aren't allowing everything else. They did a poll, 73% of Americans, Republican and Democrat, want voter ID. Oh yeah, it makes sense. All it's accountability. Is, we all want yes. transparency and accountability. Yes. And we should I would, always I would, want to perfect that. I would, you know, I said to the president after the election, I said, personally, you will never convince me that this election was on the up and up. However, I don't know if that's enough to have changed the results. Right. I don't have any evidence, but he's the constitutional president now. Personally, I don't believe that. But that is disturbing because most people, you can't go through another election that you don't believe. You know, it's one thing if it's a one-off and you're like, ah, that seemed really dirty to me. If the next one is dirty and or a great number of people feel that way, you're not going to have a republic. It is the one thing we must have. We have to have faith in our election process. Right. I've seen I'm, too many countries where they don't have it, and that's when you have civil wars correct. break out. That's when you have all these other things. What I will tell you, what I believe happened within the election is we saw corruption. We saw corruption in the fact that secretaries of state did things without um, the sign-off by their legislatures. We saw that they were counting ballots past election day. Um, we saw you know, the mail-out balloting. Mm-hmm. Whenever you do that, you're going to have issues. I don't think it was enough to have changed the result of the election, but I think it was enough that every state should go back and look at their election laws and make sure it doesn't have that it doesn't again. happen. And I think we're seeing that. I think... Um, I saw in Arizona, Doug Ducey just stopped mail mm-hmm. mail out balloting. You saw Georgia just did that. I think Texas is doing their. Every state should look back and say, what else can we do to make sure that the most people can vote with accountability and credibility in the process so that we can feel good about it? We started talking about 20 years out. Mm-hmm. Two years out, what does America look like? I think two years out, the um, liberals will have swung so far to the left that I think we win the House back in um, 2022, and I'm an optimist. We take the Senate. Mm. Because I think that Warnock does not represent Georgia. We shouldn't have lost those two Georgia races. Georgia is not a blue state. Um, We need a good candidate to run against Warnock. It's tough to run against— Then why did he win? He, there were a couple of things at play. I mean, from what I saw, I campaigned for Kelly Leffler before the general. Mm-hmm. I campaigned for both David Perdue and Kelly Leffler after the general. I think you had a, a few issues at hand. I think that people were all out of sorts from the election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the president didn't help us out with those Georgia races. And, and I felt it on the ground. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt people were upset. He called the secretary of state. I have two brothers that live in the suburbs of Atlanta. And they just said that after the rally, when, you know, the focus wasn't on the two candidates, just a bunch of neighbors didn't show up. 
um, mm. to vote. And I think what we're and then you had, mm. you know, four out of the five um, highest voting districts in Georgia that voted for Trump in the general didn't show up in the runoff. And look, elections have consequences and we are feeling the burn. So but what happens if Donald Trump decides, you know, I'm just I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to run, but I don't really want to. And he just I mean, are you, is the Republican Party going to be able to pull itself back together? I mean, I as you said earlier, look, you may not like Trump. I, in the end, did like him. I thought he was actually entertaining and funny um, uh, and his policies were right. But uh, you may not like him. Fine. But do you agree on the Constitution? Do you agree on just a few policies that are gigantic that have to be done? We have to get a few things under control. And I think if that's the message and you actually have a Democrat, you know, or I mean, a Republican Party with a plan, um, I think you can pull a lot of people in. But if we're still fighting about Trump and Trump is not engaged or whatever happens, we 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 lose our shirt. I mean, we have to. You know, I think that there's a few things. One, we want to keep those voters that Trump brought in, yes. like where I was raised. They felt unheard, misunderstood. We want to keep them. We need to add the women back. We need to win the suburbs back. We need Republicans need to expand our tent. We've lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. We need to engage Hispanics. We need to engage the Jewish community. We need to engage Asians. We need to engage African-Americans. I did it in South Carolina. It can be done. And you do it in a conservative way. But you have to show up. You have to, because guess what? When you talk to them, they care about the education of their children. Right. They care about, they care about opportunities. It's, yeah. you know, and so we just have to show up and start talking about that. So um, I know we're at the end of our time here, but I, 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 I want to ask you, how do you engage when you have social media doing what they're doing? I mean, what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop is one of the biggest stories in American history politically. It was it's criminal what they did. Uh, their power is only growing. How do we engage? Big tech is a problem. And look, this is the way I see big tech. And I am the idea that they look, if you you want to take someone down for 24 hours or 48 hours or if you whatever that's one thing to literally eliminate the former president of the united states I, while you have the ayatollah and a boss I still on say, there like, i could go and find the ayatollah's point of view who's saying death to america correct but i couldn't find donald trump no so you, what does that tell us it tells us that look these platforms once you open a door you can't close it these platforms came to us in the name of free speech. That's what we wanted. And they asked for Section 230 for protection so that no matter what was there, they wouldn't get sued. If they are now going to decide that they pick who is right and who is wrong, and they don't tell us the rules of the game, Congress needs to go back but are and they look gonna, at... 
but are they going to do it? Well, I mean, Congress heard- needs to step up. Like, how much longer do we hear Congress whine and complain about immigration, whine and complain about big tech, whine and complain about Iran? What? Do something. Do something. I don't want congressional members with sound bites. I want congressional members with action. Let's get it done like they did with the judges. Let's get it. You know, if they could do yes. it with the judges, then why can't we do this with these things that matter? Because, I, look, I don't think we have time to whine and complain about big tech or media or any of that. But you can do something about it. And when I say Republicans are too nice, that's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I don't think you have to be rude. I believe you kick with a smile. Let's get it done. But it's got to be done. Okay, last thing. Um how do people get involved? I know you have the Stop Communism petition. You have a lot of things mm-hmm. going on. If you were to direct one person who was listening to you and they go, okay, I want to do something, what should people do? Well, we started a policy organization to put out more conservative news. And the goal was we now send out emails every day to get people to care. And it'll cover all kinds of issues. It may be talking about the, the censorship of big tech and what needs to be done about it or the problems with Iran or what this infrastructure stimulus really means and what's in it. And we send those out every day. In the last couple of years, we already have two million members and small donors um, to Stand for America. So what I'd love is for your viewers to go to StandForAmerica.com, sign up. We'll send you the information. And our goal is let's spread the word. Let's spread the word about what conservatism is. Let's spread the word about how harmful Biden is. Let's win the House and win the Senate and stop the bleeding. And I have faith in America. We have to be willing to do the hard work. But if we do the hard work, we could come out of this better than when we started. Nikki Haley, thank you. Always fun to be with you. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 